Welcome to the Mike Hewitt Show, 10 years and growing. It's about family, business, work, and politics like you've never heard it before. Yep, it's true. There's more than just a touch of wry humor mixed in. And now your host, Mike Hewitt. Folks, I am Mike Hewitt. Co-host, Miles Bauer. Miles, we've got a big long list today, so we're going to have to do some flying. And by the way, let me let me just as an insert, at the bottom of the hour, folks, we're going to have uh, Senator Tice in from the state of Michigan to talk about some new law that's about hate speech. And I need to have her walk us through that because for me, it sounds like an absolute denigration of our First Amendment. But we'll get to that. In the meantime, speaking of denigration, we're watching the Supreme Court uh, this week come out 6-3 against affirmative action. And a little inset on that here in the state of Michigan, um, I'm going back, I think it was 2006, going by memory, but there was a ballot initiative for the Michigan Constitution uh, with Jennifer Gratz. It was about exactly this topic. She'd been passed over by one of the state-funded universities and, and took exception to it. And rather than fighting them that way she launched a ballot initiative that overwhelmingly passed where the folks, and bipartisan, i got to say that, bipartisan in the state of Michigan uh, said, no, affirmative action is, is not going to happen here. Um, and so I was thrilled to see the 6-3 decision at the Supreme Court level. But, Miles, it doesn't look like President Biden was very happy with it. I was stunned to hear the President of the United States refer to SCOTUS as not a normal court. I thought that every president is sworn to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution. Yeah, but but they don't see that stuff this way. They really don't. It, and by the way, it goes exactly to what he's opining about, but only opposite. So... When I look at affirmative action and what our universities do, specifically in this case, Harvard, uh, but in general, the idea that we are going to say you're an Asian and therefore you're, we're going to have to back your score down, uh, you're a black person and we're going to have to back your score up, I, I, listen, that's an abomination of anything that's honest. There is flatly no integrity in that form of thinking. And so then yep. I then I immediately get the pushback. Well, what about economic, you know, differences? All right, listen, if there are groups of people that want to put together private charities and funds to help given students, I'm all about that. Good, good, good. But that is not a reason to accept or reject somebody. It is just bombastic to think you folks are too stupid, so we're going to help you. Who thinks that way, Miles Bauer? Yeah, I think it I think it goes back to what you and I've talked about in the past. And I think even um, Victor Davis Hansen, when he was on a couple of weeks ago, made made mention of this is that we as a country are moving away from a meritocracy. And and he's he's correct. And you're you're very correct in in bringing it up. But then I got to tell you. When I look at the areas in the United States that are furthest left, that, in other words, have moved as far from meritocracy, which is our founding, as they can get, I find myself looking at Chicago City, Detroit City, 
Saginaw, Michigan. We can do this in every state in the Union. Toledo is a train wreck. Uh, Philadelphia, Ben Franklin would break down in tears if he saw the condition of Philadelphia. And that's a circumstance where they use race and those kind of those kind of factors rather than looking at a person and saying, I believe that you can excel. That's way different than saying you can't excel and I'm going to help you. That that state of mind is a, it's it is devastating to the human spirit. And you can find that fact. It's not debatable in every major city in the United States of America. They've condemned all of those folks of all ethnicity to abject poverty. 54% illiterate, what I call illiteracy, reading at a sixth grade or lesser level. I'm talking about the adults in the United States. And when you drive into those numbers, those numbers are by lion's share in inner city America. And their answer to it is to say, you folks are too stupid rather than to say, we need to fix the educational system in those cities, because they're not stupid. There's nothing DNA different about one group of folks from another. They all have the same learning capacity. And to say that they don't is just an outrage. So you know well, me, and, you know me it, when I get on education, Miles, I got to reel myself in because it's destroying America. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I I was ju just going to say, I mean, you know, we we the the term racist is thrown around a, a bunch these days for things that have nothing to do with what you and I saw as racism when we were kids. And yet, I mean, what what other policy is racist like like this? I, I've never seen anything. Like, well, we have. History has painted the Democrats as being what they are. So there's always been, and, and I'm going to get in trouble for saying this. I know I'm going to get an email full of nasty grams. But there's at no point in the Democrat Party that I can say there's that point where they were earnest about race. They're the party that was against civil rights. They're the party that was against civil rights on a second chance to be in favor of it. By the way, folks, they're the party that was the third objectionist to civil rights. They were the party of slavery. Oh, Mike, you don't understand. That was the South, and all those people became Republicans. And I think, wow, you need a calculator. You need to do some, some demographic studies. The folks on the East Coast are who brought the slaves in. They're still Democrats. We can't argue these things. It's just math. And, and listen, I'm not, I, I don't feel that way about all of those folks. Please don't misunderstand me. But when I look at the Jennifer Gratz Michigan Initiative, 58%, that was almost all of the conservative side and a pretty good chunk of those that consider themselves liberal that said, no, affirmative action is wrong. Every polling that I have seen this week places the number of people that agree with the Supreme Court around 74%. That's been the ringing number, mid-70s, by every polling I could find. That tells me it's not... It's not good people, even those I disagree with. It's what the party itself is doing, and shame on them. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, I get, folks, I apologize. I get, I, when you start, when, when they start trying to categorize people, oh, you got this faith, you stand in this line. You're that color, you stand in that line. Uh-oh, you're too smart, you're too dumb. Folks, that's wrong-headed thinking. It's just wrong-headed thinking.
It just is. I, I, I don't listen. The whole point of this great experiment is to purpose per, perpetually seek to be stronger and better and to make folks equal under the law. And we've fallen off the rails along the path, but we can identify the ideology that pushed us off the rails. It's still doing it. I'm sorry. You go to inner city, any state you want. And if that doesn't change your mind, then you've got your eyes closed because the only thing you see is a big D. That's wrongheaded. I don't want to say evil thinking because I'm not trying to be theological here, but it's really, I'm passionately telling you that if this stuff makes sense to you, it's because you're self-serving yourself. Absolutely, I believe that, Miles. Oh, I know. And, you know, raise your hand if you had the ability to choose your skin color. None of us have. And that, that was the whole point, I thought, anyway, as a, as a kid growing up, when Martin Luther King Jr. said, don't, don't judge me by the color of my skin, judge me by the content of my character. And in school they'd say back then that everybody, everybody has something that they can bring to the table. And now they yep. think, oh, no, 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 that person doesn't, and that person has too much, folks. Folks, we've got to mature beyond gender and race politics. We've got to get beyond this. Aye, aye, we got a lot on the table, folks. Stay with us. We're off to a break, but we will be right back. All right, Miles Bauer, help us figure this one out. So this is an article from Fox News late in the week. Temper, Biden shouts at reporter asking about his involvement in Hunter's Chinese shakedown, his words, messages. Uh, and Biden lost his temper. I mean, that happens unusually frequently. When I say unusual, it's unusual to see a president from either party come unscrewed the way this guy does. But I got to ask you, this is not even about Hunter. When you look, when I look at polling numbers, in fact, on show notes, I added on this Trump narrowly leads Biden in key state of Pennsylvania poll. And it caused me to ask, is all of this stuff with Hunter, is it actually damaging Biden within the Democrat voting base? Do you think that is the case, Miles? No. They're going to vote D no matter what. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, plus, I don't think that they're actually telling, you know, as we, we've talked about in the past, they're not really covering the story on ABC, CBS, NBC, MSNBC, and CNN. They, they aren't. So they, those folks don't know. That's your point? Right. Yeah, you're, and you're probably right about that. But And and that always amazes me. You and I both are, are news hounds. And so yeah. I see something and I tag onto it. I got to go re read two or three articles to try to get my head around it and to make sure, in other words, folks, that I'm not reading hyperbolic political spin from our leftist media. But I, I, I just stand back and I think, unless you, um, in fact, let me use you and I as an example. Um, I'll, I'll, first I'll shoot at myself and then I'll shoot at you, Miles Bauer. Uh, okay. there, there was a time when I ran for office, It was a, and I lost very narrowly. And in that race, I had the opportunity to have John McPain endorse me and prepare a, um, a, a 30 and a 60-second 
um, robocall spot for me. And it was at the peak of his popularity. And I passed. And listen, I'm not whining. And I, I blame my loss on me passing. But when I do that, I'm not looking for an excuse. I'm saying it proudly. I did not support his politics. And for me to have looked to those folks that supported me and say, hey, <laughs> I did this to win. Sorry about everything that we agree on. I, I don't have that in me. And, and at the same time, I remember you saying I'm not voting for Romney or O'Romney. And I, I, and I use those two examples, Miles. As I look across to the aisle and think, there's some good Democrats that we just agree on policy. We just disagree on policy. I don't get, and I mean this earnestly, how they cannot have any principal foundation like me passing on his endorsement or you saying I cannot vote for that man. Don't they do that at all, Miles Bauer? Boy, it certainly seems like they just, um, you know, circle the wagons. They, they really do, and it doesn't feel like we do at all. We are in a perpetual, you know, all the jokes, the circular firing squad, and it gets... It gets even old to say it, by the way, folks, but it's true. And they don't. I mean, he's got a D. If he's our guy, let's go. And if he's not our guy, the super the super uh, delegate system is still mostly intact. So even if he isn't our guy, we can make him our guy. You go, wait a minute. That's not, that's not, <laughs> that's not how it's supposed to work. I just don't understand the lack of principle. And I know I'm being naive. I get it. But... <laughs> I can't get my head around that thinking. Don't you think, though, that you and I battling e each other seven years ago over Cruz versus Trump, <laughs> don't, don't you think that that's a much more effective system? It is, but it's what it's supposed to be. Listen, yeah. and, and when you bring that up, and I got to tell everybody, the era that he's talking about was the presidential primary of 16. And listen, we've been on the air now almost 11 years. We've had some really good times and great conversation. There's been high points, and that was one of the high points because I think that's exactly what folks are supposed to be doing is driving into these issues and looking at these candidates. Yes, under a magnifying glass, they're applying for a job, and we're the, we're the people hiring them or not. And so when we have those debates, and I'm going to guess we're going to have them some more, Miles Bauer, but when, <laughs> <laughs> when we get to that point, man, but, but listen to yours and mine, and I wished everybody would get that way. The difference we've got is 40-some 40, 40 years of, of, this, of this exchange. But when we get done, we go have a cocktail together. We're not enemies because we don't agree. Right. And I really wish America would re-embrace that. To me, when people say, is America really exceptional? The things that come to my mind that make us exceptional are those abilities to have that kind of conversation in public without without a bag of filthy words and hatred and all of those things. I, that's, that's what makes us exceptional is to have that. And that's not what some folks want anymore. Yeah. No, and I think, but, you know, I do do believe that social media allows people to say things that they would not say to your face. Ten foot tall and bulletproof. I've, yeah. all, I've often joked, so I see the people that are trolls on, on social media, and I've equated them to like Pee Wee Herman, 
So you got somebody trying to run you off the road with a big, gigantic 1980s Lincoln, and they're wheeling around you, and they're being threatening, and they're honking and screaming and flipping you off. And they finally pull over, and Pee Wee Herman jumps out. <laughs> you're going, <Right>. <laughs> really? <laughs> All that, and you're it? <laughs> sometimes, I'm sorry, sometimes it gets fun. I don't know. All right, so it, it's. <laughs> do you think Biden is actually going to run for office? That's really where I was going with the polling statement. I don't. I don't know health-wise and everything else how we can, and I know I bring this up periodically, but the closer we get, keeping in mind I know that we're still miles away, but I don't know how he can be a candidate. They showed in one article, I believe I read, that he has a lot of the characteristics of sleep apnea. Right, which were the, and those are the marks that everyone talked about this past week. There yeah. was pictures and of him with, with big cheek marks on both sides, and it's it's from him wearing his, uh, um, you know, galactic overlord space mask. I mean, ap- <laughs> sleep apnea mask. <laughs> and so one of the char- characteristics is, is him lashing out at that reporter. Uh, so this may just be a health problem and not necessarily a mental challenge. I, you might be right, and I, and I, but he says so many things that don't, they don't even resemble words, right? That, and, and very broken thoughts about and examples, giving giving presidential speeches and missing a little bit where he's talking about Iraq, <laughs> rather than when you screw up on entire countries. And you don't do it once and happenstance and acknowledge it, and yeah, but he does it multiple times. Um, I, I find that fearsome. I do. I, I don't. But, and by but, the way, I'm not even I'm not even attacking him on that issue. There are things that my health won't let me do. So you run six miles a day. Love you like right. a brother, but I ain't gonna run with you because I'll, I'll be out and need an ambulance. And the, so there are things I can't do, and there's things that frankly he can't do. Right. I think that the 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 uh, left is going to come back and say, Mike, Reagan had his flub ups, too. Yep, I get that. The uh, difference is that Reagan didn't flub up as often. Right. As as Biden has. But but the left doesn't want to see that. Well, they don't. And by the way, but but they are but they are acutely aware of it. That's why they go out of their way to keep the microphone out of his hand. Right, um, And so when you use the Reagan example, in fact, we can use the Trump example where Trump would give a press conference and it would last. Folks, if you remember this, talking about transparency, left, right, wanting transparency. Now, I don't care if you're a Trumper or not. The guy would give a press conference and it would be over when there were no more questions. I, I think that's impressive. I right. just I just do. So I'm 62 and me standing there for an hour and a half getting beat up and screamed at. I'm not in a hurry to do that. And he did it every single time. And they cannot allow Biden to do that. Even when he does have pseudo press conferences, it'll be two or three questions from from uh, reporters that have already already been lined up with, queued up is how I better say it, with, a, uh, with questions that have been approved and re-answered. Listen, folks, we've got to go to a break again, but stay with us. We will have a Michigan State senator on uh, before you know it.
Folks, if you're just tuning in, I am Mike Hewitt, co-host Miles Bauer. Listen, show notes, just a quick update. I got to tell you, I'm excited. We are at our flagship station, WHTC, 1450 AM, 99.7 FM, beautiful Holland, Michigan, on the shores of Lake Michigan. But we are blessed with having affiliates across a number of states. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Listen, we've, we don't take a lot of guests, but on an occasion... We do when there's something special or somebody special, and I think that this situation calls both. So I'd like to welcome to the show State Senator Lana Tice. Senator, welcome to the Mike Hewitt Show. Thank you so very much. I, I'm excited to be here, and I'm excited for the invitation. Thank you. Uh, listen, I, I, I need to help you get us, all of us, to understand. And folks, the, the folks that are listening to our voice that are out of the state of Michigan— understand that what we're going to talk about is already in motion in your state or they're working to put it in motion. So please don't think we're talking about Michigan politics. If you don't already have it going, I'm sending sending you what I perceive is as a warning signal. So Senator, I think of this as hate, as hate speech that they're trying to prohibit. First off, is my interpretation of the legislation that just passed Am I correct when I say it's a hate speech uh, limitation? That Well, that's how they're characterizing it, and you're utterly correct. The uh, This has already passed the House. It was a vote of 59 to 50, uh, and what it does is replace and expand what was on Michigan's law already is, uh, from 1988, the ethnic intimidation law. And it includes protections based on sex, sexual orientation, age, gender, identity, physical or mental disabilities, uh, religion, ethnicity, and race were already in there. Uh, so it expands it significantly. It what? creates a definition for things that it qualifies as a hate crime, from threats or damage of property, which includes online, goes on to targeted force, intimidation, which we're going to talk about later, uh, bodily injury. And so some of this stuff is, is real, right? Threat, threatening someone that you're going to do physical damage is that that is a that is a very dangerous thing and shouldn't be allowed. But what they go on to do here is is give a reasonable person definition for intimidation. So it's going to be defined as repeated or continuing harassment of another individual that would cause them to feel terrorized, frightened, or threatened. And I want you to think about those words. It does not include what is considered constitutionally protected activity or conduct that serves that serves a legitimate purpose. Also want you to hang on to that. So I consider myself a reasonable person. I consider you a reasonable person. Uh, but all you have to do is spend about 10 minutes on social media to realize that the definition of what is considered intimidation or threat is entirely different now than it was maybe even five years ago. Uh, the Michigan Supreme Court is currently considering new rules that would literally allow a judge to be punished for using something other than an individual's preferred pronouns in court. I, I Let me stop you for a second, Senator. And I, I agree with my co-host. I heard him say, wow. But let me tell you the angle I'm looking at this from, because, you know, as you know, in life, everyone views things through their their eyes. And, and mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm viewing this through the eyes of a a writer and a talk show host. And this yes. show, we're, on, we're in our 11th year. We've been very successful, very blessed with success. 
Uh, in fact, Miles Bauer, a lifelong friend of mine. So you look at this through my eyes to have my co-host be a lifelong from childhood friend. I'm really excited about it. But having said all of that, we take on some issues. And it's and I'm by the way, let me talk we're always talking about where everyone's at on the on the political spectrum. I'm a classical liberal, I'm a Jeffersonian. So my closest political cousin might be very conservative, but I'm a classical liberal. So and I tell you that because I look at all of these issues that you've listed, I look at it through that through those eyes, through that prism. But when I'm diving into an issue about what I'm not going to allow somebody to have a conversation with my nine grandchildren about, just as an example, and I have that conversation on this air, and I often do, based on how I interpret the bill that's being shepherded through, uh, resisting to use that word, but I can't, uh, I, I find that places me in a liable. When I state my opinion, like the beginning, the first half of the show, Frankly, I was on a little bit of a rant about the affirmative action because I don't understand the left's perception of that either. But if they listen to my posts, my comments, and don't like them, Senator, is that something where, on as you're understanding it, I could be targeted for my opinion? Not just targeted, jailed. I and I so got up to five years in jail, ten thousand dollar fine, and and it's all based on someone's perception of whether they felt intimidated, harassed, or threatened so, by you. So, if, Senator, if you're driving down the road and you don't agree with Miles and or I, uh, and you think, "Wow, I've heard this guy three times in a row, and now now I feel intimidated and threatened," you could reach out to. Dana Nessel, Michigan's attorney general, or other attorney generals in the states that this is percolating in, and file a client. A, 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 <laughs> I, I got to tell you, of course, you know I'm 62 years old, but in the world I grew up in, Miles, you and I were raised to believe that the First Amendment was was a protection of speech I didn't like, and right. I I passionately support somebody's right to express an opinion. That's what right. that's what makes us exceptional, Senator. Let me ask you, some of the articles I, I've been reading about this law, uh, or rather about this bill, I, um, I, have, I have heard that the term harassment has been vaguely defined in the bill, but also I've heard that pastors in a church could be targeted by this law. I think everybody that disagrees with the regressive left is going to be targeted. I don't think they could be. I think that the intent of this bill is in order to silence the opposition of the regressive left in in whatever uh, agenda that they currently have. And you're right about the free speech. I mean, the, the, the freedom of speech, the First Amendment, requires that not only that you're able to say what you want to say, but that is going to offend some people. And some people, uh, I think the people who want this to go through, want that to be an illegal act. And I don't know how a radio show functions through this if they... Do they have any idea as to how this passes the scrutiny of SCOTUS? Honestly, I don't know. They've got that one section that says constitutionally protected activity or conduct that serves a legitimate purpose is carved out. So that, but, but I don't that, know who determines what the legitimate purpose is, and 
as we've seen in courts over and over and over again, particularly of late. And then with our Supreme Court, uh, I don't know what that looks like anymore. I don't know how you apply the First Amendment if you can't offend the people that are so easily offended. I, I have to tell you both. I got to tell you both. The arena of ideas is going to be an empty, an empty arena, because a lot of folks. And by the way, by the way, folks, the the arena will be empty of both of folks from both sides of the divide, because reasonable people, left mm-hmm. or right, are going to say, "I'm not going to stick my toe in that acidy water." Um, that, and I, I, I think that does all sides. A grave disservice to limit to limit the debate. Fierce, passionate, but respectful debate is what we desperately need, Senator. That's my opinion. I couldn't agree with you more. And but I want and I want to put this in context. In Michigan, we're expunging actual criminal records, uh, a lot of them, such that our courts are having some extreme difficulty even trying to keep up. I just read the other day that MLive is announcing that they're going to remove any content that actually mentioned the crimes that happened before because now their records are expunged, so they have to make sure they get that even off the Internet. This bill proposes sending someone to jail for someone else's perception of a threat. That's incredible. Senator, listen, we've, we've we've got to go to a break, so we're out of time. I gotta get you back on because you and I have got all three of us have got a lot we need to talk about. So, S- S- Senator Lana Tice, thank you very, very much for joining us, folks. We will be right back. Mike Hewitt here. Are you a problem identifier or a problem solver? Seriously, have you noticed how solution-focused people seem happier and have an uncanny knack of making the people around them happier? Not much better than those few that are driven by a desire to make things better. Ben Franklin is one of my favorite examples. He certainly had an eye for recognizing problems, but he didn't just pound out negativity on his printing press. He purposely and quite successfully sought solutions. It's a big deal, a rarity. Solution seekers are the ones history remembers. It's about a state of mind. The problem is obvious. Let's resolve ourselves to solve it. Yup, it's literally a decision we must make. It's not likely to be found on social media or entertainment news. It's something each of us must decide to be or not. I say, let's commit. Let's be solution seekers. If we do, we win. Find the Mike Hewitt Show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You'll like it. All right, Miles Bauer, you got to tell me, what's your opinion of that blurb you just listened to? So I absolutely agree with you that solvers are the glasses half full as opposed to the people that just point out the problems because they're the half em- empty people. But as I texted you when I, when I heard this, I said the, the, the bigger problem here is that I don't know that you can find a bunch of people that all agree that a, a, a given problem is a problem. You know what? I agree with that. But I think that that's always been the circumstance. And folks, yeah. I, folks, I got to tell you what motivated me to write that script and do that that spot. Um, and, and Miles, I wrote this back to you in reply to your comment. I'll, I'll paraphrase it, obviously. But uh, 
my problem is I'm looking I'm so doing show prep I'm you look at the news and frankly the news is a big gigantic where they've got five articles and they rewrite them or they literally often will cut and paste them so you'll see this article it'll be at yahoo it'll be at bbc it'll be at reuters it'll be everywhere and i've already saw that five times so folks think there's a lot of news not so much so i'll go and look at social media to see what folks are picking up on that i need to be aware of i do that on purpose it's part of my show prep um, and what i see and it isn't 50 50 it's not half empty half 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 full people, 50-50. It's like 95% or more of the comments are people yelling and screaming on social media. I, I still say Pee Wee Herman. Yelling and screaming about this person, that policy, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. I'm going, where are the people saying, I get that's a problem, why don't we do this? I don't see anybody saying very few, not anybody, but very few People saying, we have some problems, let's put our noggins together and search for solutions. And it feels like, keeping in mind, Miles Bauer, I'm the guy that believes in the spiral. You are either spiraling uphill or you're spiraling downhill. There's no such thing as status quo. Nobody or nothing is treading water. And so when I look and think, holy smokes, 90 plus percent, 95 plus percent is negative and I know that negative begets negative. And none of those folks are saying, yeah, but let's do this. So, Miles Bauer, am I all wet when I look at it through that prism? No, no, no. As I said earlier, I, I certainly agree with your uh, point. I think you and I have been famous <laughs> when you in, have criticized. In, in, infamous. <laughs> yes. Um, when you have criticized our judicial system yep. and i always come back and say but then mike i'm i am more than willing to listen right to your all, all alternative now folks you got to know the inset to that is that <laughs> him and i had that debate for the better part of 30 years my only answer i only have one is that i think part of a requirement to graduate from high school is that students should be should be be caused to spend a minimum of two weeks sitting in a courtroom, and I don't care if it's prosecutorial or civil or family court, by the way. I don't make no difference to me, but they ought to be caused to sit and witness our system in action. And I say that because, first off, I believe if we did that, holy smokes, I think those two weeks would dramatically change the angle and direction of our country in a generation to come. I believe that. But the thing that the judiciary has that the other branches of government do not have, not to try to belabor the whole judicial thing, you knew you'd do that when you brought it up, but it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's the only branch of government that does not have a, a scrutiny or magnifying glass over the top of it. And I've, I've heard from all sides of the political spectrum yelling about how it's racist, it's, it's this, it's that. It isn't any of those words. But if I had to apply one single word to it, it'd be classist. It's very classist driven. So if you show up with a $1,000 suit on and you own some massive company, you're going to get a different, by the way, if you don't believe me, ask Hunter Biden. You're going to get a very different form of justice 
than somebody who is 18 or 19 years old and they're stone broke and they got to push their car out of the driveway when the court case is over, assuming they can still drive. It's, it's very classist. The only way to change that is to immerse our culture in it so they can understand, rather than just buying onto the tagline, we have the best judiciary in the world. And I always go, okay, well, what do you base that on? And then I get the deer in the headlight look because they don't have a clue. And I say that respectfully. We don't teach them. So the idea that they don't have a clue is a shame on us, not a surprise, shame on us that we're raising generation of generation that doesn't have an understanding of things like 97% of the criminal cases are plea bargained in the hallway. And then I ask, well, then why are we paying mountains of money to legislators and lobbyists to create walls and banks and buildings full of laws that lawyers are flipping dimes over and going out for a cocktail after? That's a problem. That's a problem. But, but Miles, that topic, and it goes to why you did it, that topic is exactly what my point was, and you made it arguing with me years ago. We yeah. need solution people, not just people opining that the system's broken. I think most people agree on that. Left and right look, look at it and go, something's wrong. But we need solutions. That's right. my point. Yep. So now am I still all wet or did I win you over? <laughs> no, I, I I still stand by my statement. I'm more than willing to listen to ideas. Uh, listen, I think that's I think that's fair. Uh, I got to move on though. A Harvard yeah. professor who studies dishonesty is accused of falsifying data. <laughs> you can't make yeah. this stuff up. I was going to say you you uh, can't be in shock, right? No, no, well, no, but it's kind of. Listen, these things, folks, telegraph a message to you. And it's it's another thing, by the way, I think is generational. Uh, as somebody usually brings that up on every episode. It'll be me this time instead of Ludwig. But you and I, Miles, were raised in an era where you know whether you were going to be successful or not depended on whether you went to college. Right. And, and and I took the I took the, I took the bumpy road. And when I look back at this stuff, and by the way, folks, the, the data that this woman skewed goes into a whole bunch of psychological profiling and other things that, that a lot of big organizations and law enforcement relies on. And it's all a lie to drive a political narrative. It wasn't yeah, after but, anything but, but, but Mike, politics. How, how far away is what this Harvard professor did uh, versus what the Wicked Witch of the North put the Whitmer Correctional Facility on lockdown, and then she flew down to Florida to go see Daddy. You're exactly right. It's it's the same, it's the same scoundreling cheating thing. It's it's like uh, Buddha Judge um, with the policies that he has and, and the things that he espouses about carbon reductions, etc. And I hate to be cliche, but while he's jutting around and avoiding all the bumpy roads that are not getting fixed. And you go, wait a minute, well, isn't there any integrity in this? And the populist rhetoric is to attack those elected officials. The problem that I always wrestle with, in fact, you and I have debated this, the problem that I always wrestle with is that those folks are a perfect reflection of we the people. And so if we don't like what we see in the reflection, we know what we must change. That's right. And I believe that both sides of the aisle, by the way. 
So I, I just, that's that's how I'm seeing it. Right. So, I don't know, listen, we're almost out of time. I wanted to get to RFK Jr. in his first televised, televised town hall, but we're going to have to save him for next week. So, Miles, you have to gear up for that because I think you're an RFK Jr. fan. So. I, I am, actually. He's an old-school <laughs> Democrat, or, or, or as Lud would say, he's an OG Democrat. Hey, there you go. Aye, aye, aye. Listen, folks, please be safe. Thank you very, very much for tuning in. We will see you next week. <laughs>